Thanks for listening to the Redemption Hill podcast. As a community, we are learning the way of Jesus and serving our city. Redemption Hill is kind of different. We are a collective of micro churches that gather together on Sundays to grow and connect and worship. So don't wait anymore. Join us Sundays at Boise Friends Church in the gym at 10.30 a.m. and get connected to the community you need in this season of your life. All the details you need are at redemptionboise.org. Up next is the training and teaching time from this week's gathering. Stay tuned after the sermon for more info on how to get connected. Um, I love to play basketball. I play about one to two times a week. Um, a few weeks ago, I actually sprained my wrist playing basketball. I'm not sure what exactly happened, but when I was done playing, I was in a lot of pain. Now, at the time, I didn't really know that it was sprained, but I realized that I was in a ton of pain. Um, and I don't know how much you know about the wrist for basketball, but you need it for a ton of motions, shooting, passing, or even just like catching a ball or even dribbling, really. Um, so I knew I was in pain, but I didn't realize it was sprained until I went to play on Sunday last week after church. And, you know, I stretched the rest of my body like everything was fine. Everything was regular. And I uh, picked up a basketball and I shot it and I screamed <laughs> and airballed completely. And I was in just a ton of pain. Um, and that's when I realized that I had sprained my wrist. I tried to pass the ball. I couldn't even do that. I tried to catch a ball that was thrown at me. It was just pain inflicting into my wrist. Uh, I was unable to play. Uh, this one little piece of my body prevented me from playing basketball, even when the rest of my body was in pretty much for the most part tip-top shape. I tell the story and I want to use it as an analogy for the body of Christ. We are all different parts of the body of Christ serving different purposes for the work of the church as an overall. If one part of the body feels another or itself is unnecessary, it can throw off the trajectory of the overall goal of serving Christ together, meaning unity is not there. So as we continue our plan series at Redemption Hill, uh, going through Ephesians, I believe that unity is what Paul is hoping the Jews and the Gentiles achieve in his epistle to the Ephesians. My desire this morning is to, for us to take away the same principles and to apply them to our modern day church body. So I'm continuing where Robert left off last week in the second half of Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians 2, uh, starting on verse 11, and I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. So this is Ephesians 2, 11. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. And you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. I think there's a lot of humility that comes with unity. Before this time, Jews would once badmouth Gentiles uh, for not being circumcised. The Jews were holding on to this Old Testament law that essentially had uh, run its course and its purpose since the resurrection of Jesus. But the culture at this time says that you are not justified if you were not circumcised. 
in reality, the Jews were just as guilty as the Gentiles. Uh, the Jews, they needed to die to this idea that you had to be circumcised or had to follow a guideline of special rules to be in like the, the, the God club. We can't earn our salvation. There is no amount of work that we can do that makes us more Christian than the other. The reality is we are all imperfect. We're all imperfect sprained wrist or ankles or knees or whatever part of the church body. Uh, and what Paul writes in verse 13 is what I think unifies us. He says, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. The Gentiles, they were once far away because they didn't know God. And Christ, all people who believe, Jew and Gentile alike, are brought near to God by the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross. The Jews needed to let the idea die that you needed to be circumcised to be right with God. What Paul is saying is that nobody is right with God without Jesus' sacrifice. So to be uni unified as a body, we need to individually let our non-biblical concepts that make us trademark Christians die. I think we should be asking ourselves this, what concepts are we holding on to that is not creating a spiritual intimacy with Jesus himself? Because that, I believe, is what sprains our wrist. You know, on a small scale, when I was a kid, I heard the term cleanliness is next to godliness so many times that I thought it was biblical. Uh, and then I grew up and found out that that statement is actually not in the Bible at all. Uh, yet I had already created these internal judgments about people that were unnecessary. And the whole time I thought that my friends who had dirty cars uh, were a hindrance to the body of Christ, when in reality I was the hindrance to the body of Christ because I was dying on this hill that you needed to be clean to be truly accepted by Jesus. Now, of course, that's silly, but I was making unnecessary assumptions about people's state of holiness and status in the kingdom. Uh, I was so deep into that that I myself was ineffective to do my part of the body. As a vital part to the body of Christ, I want us to reflect on hills that we are dying on that are unnecessary assumptions about people's state of holiness. Maybe you and another member of the body of Christ disagree on a theology. Maybe you disagree with another member of the body of Christ on a local or social economic policy, such as masks or funding and local governments. Or maybe they are racial economic or geolocation stereotypes that we are making about one another. But what hills are we dying on that is preventing us from being unified uh, with the other parts of the body? When I moved to Idaho to attend Bible college, I was baffled by uh, people who believe in the same God as me, but had such different opinions on social justice issues that I shut them off in my head as authentic believers. And I had to learn, and I really still am, that God was not asking me, he's not always asking me to change their opinions, uh, but he was asking me to be unified with them. And through this phase of my life, uh, I have to learn that unity is possible with people that you disagree with. Unity in the body does not come from worldly concepts like politics or social constructs, but only by the blood of Christ. And while there is beauty in being in community with people who think alike, we cannot forget to include the Gentiles. What Paul writes to the Ephesians, I think, is chef's kiss. 
In verse 14, he says, For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its, with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross to our hostility towards each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who are far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Now, a lot of early and modern commentators of this text believe that the wall of hostility that Paul is referring to is an actual physical wall that divided the court of the Gentiles from the inner courtyard of the temple. The hostility this wall carried was heavy. Gentiles crossing this wall could, and like entering the inner courts uh, could result in punishment as heavy as death, right? So Paul is writing that the death and resurrection of Jesus makes the purpose of the wall unnecessary. Through his sacrifice, Jesus created the option for unity and peace between Jews and Gentiles. And today, this option and unity, uh, this option for unity and peace, it still holds. So regardless of our ethnicity or gender or cultural background or political beliefs, we can all be brothers and sisters in Christ. When Jesus died, it wasn't like the Gentiles are just now as justified as the Jews. It was, no, none of you guys were justified in God's eyes. And now I am sacrificing myself so that through me, anybody can be justified in God's eyes. So unity is not really formed in our works. So no matter how much we we tithe or we volunteer at church on Sundays or we share inspirational posts on social media, it's not going to save us. And as wonderful as those things are, Unity starts with the humility and the knowledge that we are just as guilty and unjustified as our neighbors. When we can make that assessment about ourselves, we can break down the walls of hostility with our neighbors. And breaking down the walls of hostility is where unity starts. See, I can't play basketball with a sprained wrist. And no matter how in shape the rest of my body is, I can't play basketball with a sprained wrist. And even though I don't really want to, I need to accept that it hurts and that I need to ice it and that I need to not play on it and I need to take ibuprofen so that my body can be in unity and I can get back on the court. And if we want to be unified as a church, and I don't just mean Redemption Hill, We have to break down our internal and maybe even physical walls of hostility that are separating people that don't look like us from being unified with us. God doesn't want you to change Gentiles into Jews. He wants you to draw people closer to him. He doesn't want us to draw people closer to good ideas or concepts. He wants us to draw people closer to Jesus so they can find identity in him alone. And I believe that that is what Paul was hitting at towards the end of chapter two. Starting in 19, he says, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are in his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. 
we are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of his dwelling, where God lives by his spirit. For the Jews and the Gentiles, uh, there was an evident racial divide. The unity problem was rooted in the fact that they failed to recognize that they can be unified uh, in finding their identity in God. So don't walk away from the sermon and hear that uh, we should ignore our differences and come together. I think there's beauty in acknowledging our differences uh, that God created. And we all think and we all look different. And we shouldn't allow God's creativity to be a tool for Satan uh, to cause division in the body. God created our differences, but that still isn't what draws us together. And that's not where we find our identity. See, the story of the Gentile inclusion, I think it serves as an example for all of our inclusion. Nobody, including Jews, uh, deserves to be deemed righteous with God. But following Jesus, acknowledging his sacrifice and his lordship is how Jesus makes us right with God. When we choose to follow God, we are welcomed and are now members of God's family. God's family. I think it's good to remember that Christians are a corporate group. When Paul is writing to the Ephesians, he's not really writing towards one specific individual, but he's writing to the Ephesians as a group. Now, of course, your individual faith is very important and shouldn't be missed, uh, but the Christian faith works uh, in a sense like a group project. Uh, sharing the authentic gospel with one another and others who don't know the story yet should be rooted in a term we hear around here a lot, and that's communitas. One of Redemption Hill's key pieces of our identity is the idea of communitas. Alan Hirsch defines communitas as a community formed in the context of an ordeal, challenge, task, or mission that requires each player to find each other in a new significant way to get the job done. Uh, when I was in, on staff at my home church in Seattle, we were made up, our staff was made up of a group of uh, very different people, just um, different statuses, different skin colors, um, different personality types, different ways that we think church should be operated. And if you looked at it on paper, uh, we shouldn't really gel well as a group, but we all share the same mission to share the gospel. So as a staff, we did what every other uh, Christian group in America does, and that was uh, learn the Enneagram. Uh, if you don't know what the Enneagram is, it's a nine-sided figure uh, used and a particular system of analysis to represent the spectrum of possible personality types. So as a staff, we discovered and studied our numbers and we learned how to operate as a staff, and, but we learned how to celebrate our differences and use them to understand the way one another thinks uh, so we can communicate and make it easier to achieve our shared mission, even through our differences. Uh, now, we didn't use the term, but we had to learn this idea of communitas to operate together. And while I personally think the Enneagram is a great tool, I'm not telling you to go learn the Enneagram today. For my home church, the Enneagram is what we use to break down any walls of hostility that kept us from operating as the body or family or the temple. I'm asking us to find a way to break down our walls of hostility so we can achieve our common goal. When we follow Jesus, we no longer live for ourselves, but we live for others and we live for God. You know, I found this sermon difficult to write. One, because I have a sprained wrist. Um, 
But because I recognize how inclusive that I really am, and while there is beauty in working with people who think just like me, I tend to shut off or shun anybody with a different theology or a different opinion than me. And I realize that I relate far more to Jews than Gentiles because I am exclusive. I've built, I've built in concepts on what makes somebody a true believer. But most non-Christians or ex-Christians will tell you that Christianity feels more like a religious country club. Uh, they rarely use the terminology family or body or temple. But through Christ, the Jews and the Gentiles, they were reconciled and unified by breaking down physical and metaphorical walls of hostility that separated them so they can achieve the common goal of living for Christ. And that's communitas. So if we want to be unified as a body, not just like a local community, uh, but the church as a whole, we have to break down walls of hostility. So if you're watching this and you're meeting in your micro churches or a small group or your family, or even if you're just by yourself, I want you to reflect on these questions that I put together. In the context of the letter to the Ephesians, the Jews and the Gentiles that were facing racial hostility that was separating them from being unified. So what hostility today is separating us from being unified with those who think different than us? What hostilities today is separating us from being unified with those who think different than us? For this next one, you could reflect aloud or in your head, um, but what walls of hostility have you personally built up that prevent you from being unified in the body? And what can we do to tear those down? And last, how has or how can God use your spiritual gifts for the body? And what ways do you feel peace when you're doing work for the body of Christ? I'll end in some prayer. God, I pray that you would let us be unified. I pray that as a church body, we could recognize that only in you is where true unity comes from. We invite you to break down walls of hostility that prevent us from sharing your story to those who do and do not know you. Let us be reminded that only through you we are deemed righteous in the Father's eye. Humble us and unify us as a family and a body so we can work together in communitas to do your work. Amen. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to our weekly podcast. Make sure to subscribe to get them in your podcast feed. You can find ways to connect with Redemption Hill at redemptionboise.org slash connection. Fill out the form for a free gift from us. We care about you and want to help you find your way back to God. Follow at Redemption Boise on Instagram for regular encouragement.